Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 163. It's behind you. It's behind you. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Ah, oh, we've uh, we, we've got a, a, a fun show, a fun, a sexy show, sexy show, sexy show. Now we asked uh, we asked listeners to uh, write in on the blog, tell us what they thought were sexy shows. I was stunned at the response that we had over uh, the last uh, eight days. Sorry about uh, having a bit of a break. It's, it's a, a special edition, Charlie. Yeah, well, it was some. You know, people people weren't at the computers anyway. They were too busy. Uh, <laughs> I remember we, we had a break. Like we still put a show up. <laughs> <laughs> we had a break. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. been eight days between shows. Eight days. Yeah, yeah. But um, extra in, day. in typical fashion, we actually had to do more work before we took the break, and so the last one was early. It's all confusing Box Cutters, if you've never listened to it before Is a show all about television This week, uh, we're going to be bringing you uh, Two more of our uh, It's our contrasting Or compare and contrast Box Cutters Where we look at a a new show And we look at an old show Something old, something new Something American, something Australian Uh, We're going to be looking at Swingtown And number 96 there's also an I don't buy it. I'm sure there's going to be some pork. We're going to fill it all out with pork. There's going to be pork aplenty. Hey, leftover <laughs> pork probably at being Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe some crackling. <laughs> and uh, to kick things off, though, here's the box cutters news. Well, it was important news, of course, in the world of Doctor Who this week. You may have heard already in Doctor Who. Yes, the uh, vintage splicer machine from 1974 was given... No, no, hang on. <laughs> they, uh, they announced uh, that, um, that the new Doctor... Yes, they finally announced... Yeah, we've been covering this for the last seven years. It feels like um, there's been bets going on. You know, the smart money was on Patterson Joseph. Never seeing that money again. Um, <laughs> the winner was, of course, Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith, yes, who like, we, we would know from... Nothing. We would know right. from nothing. We've never heard of him. I don't think he's real. But he, he just took it out uh, because he was the dandiest looking of the bunch. I think he won it on Blue Peter. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was After entering on, a, on the back of yeah, a postcard. A postcard, a competition, yeah. be the next doctor. Uh, look, it, it, I, I must admit I should stop, but I hate his haircut. I hate it. It makes me want to punch him in the face. But is, is, is that enough to, to make you... Uh, well, hate the new I have Who. hated the show for the last three years anyway, you know. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm not, you know, let's, let's be honest. You know, I'm, I'm old labour um, when it comes to Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> I'm just going to sit at home with my DVDs and watch them over and over again going, the new one's not happening. Uh, it, Matt Smith, the only thing you may have seen him in is uh, Party Animals, which I think is, is, uh, is either Apparently showing on ABC or has just finished on ABC, which is from 2007. Um, he was when also, he was twelve. He was twelve. <laughs> He's twenty six, but he looks alarmingly young. And people have also mentioned he actually just look, looks like a younger David Tennant, which is kind of a bit odd to to follow David Tennant. Also, for those of us hoping there'd be a, a black doctor, it, it's a little bit like John McCain one. <laughs> so um, he's he's going to play, be playing the Doctor in the, in the the new series. Well, his full series, which will start in two thousand and. 
10. Um, yeah, the other thing he did was The History Boys, the Alan Bennett play. He was in the original uh, production of that at the National Theatre. Right. So, so, you know, he's probably got acting chops. He could probably do yeah, it. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, he, he now becomes the youngest Doctor, beating uh, Peter Davison, who had held the, held the gonna, record up until now. I was going to say, how, how old was Peter Davison? He was, he, was tw- he was 29, apparently, when, when he took the role. Right. So, yeah, this guy's 26, although I mean, by the time we see him, he'll be 27. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's fascinating news. To <laughs> Isn't <laughs> it? Isn't it? I don't the new Doctor is someone you've never heard of. Never. never. Oh, Okay. Hey, Exciting news. Oh, no, you go. go. Exciting news for uh, people who are feeling a little bit uh, left out on their reality TV dosage over this the summer period when they're not running a lot of it. Channel 9 have uh, just won a uh, apparently very um, uh, contested bidding war for the latest uh, project from Nigel Lithgow, who's the uh, producer behind... American Idol, and so you think you can dance? The new one will be called Superstars of Dance. Idol, no, no idol. Super Idol Stars of Dance. The Australia. The show. <laughs> no, no, it's not just an Australian thing. The show is pitting dancers from eight countries, including Australia, in an Olympic-style showdown. Well, that's insane. Other countries have different populations than we do. Mm, it should well, be proportional dancers. No, hey, in a, an Olympic-style showdown. So what, they're going to have to do, like, shot put and javelin? <laughs> Maybe. That, 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 that I'd watch. Dancers. I kind of like that, actually. So you think you can avoid snipers? (laughs) (laughs) Australia. Australia. (laughs) Um, Lithgow says that uh, this is the most challenging and exhilarating project I've ever done. Nothing of this magnitude has ever been attempted before on television. Oh. Oh, Ever. 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 Wow. So not even even the uh, international idol... No, no, that they ran after no, the first this year. This is no. the pinnacle of human civilization. Not even the Olympics. After the final, right. they will be blowing up every major city with nuclear <laughs> weapons just to finish it off. Because there's no point. After this, this is this is we peaked. This is actually the third season of Jericho. <laughs> I uh, I don't like interactive. That show. <laughs> I don't like that Jericho up interactive. Oh, I'm going to ring someone. I don't. That's I, don't good. I don't like the blowing up cities show no? with dance. <laughs> no. No, no. It'll be something to tell the grandkids about. But, uh, you know, I do look forward to the greatest thing we have ever seen on television. Yes, and uh, now with less hyperbole. (laughs) Oh, terrible. Uh, Speaking of terrible, uh, Foxtel apparently don't think much of free-to-air television. Oh, Jesus. We See, I read this stuff every week, and it's so redundant and just not except worthy. That they, except that in, in this case they have a point, because uh, they say... They don't have a point. They stop stop apologising. They do have a point. The, the free-to-air networks, Freeview, as they'll be known from now on, uh, have had however many years to get ready to uh, for their HD channels. 212. Mm-hmm. 212 years I've had to get right. ready for yeah. Right. Which is, uh, you know, about half a third of the amount of time the television's been around. Yeah. So yeah. they really... A lot of time. They could have done a, a, a lot. Really a lot. They've got nothing. Uh, they were allowed to do stuff on the 1st of January and they did nothing. 
Well, we've talked about the reasoning behind that. So what's Foxtel if, if doing, they, though? If they're putting up new channels, then they're only going to be cannibalising their own audiences. And, and it would become a cable channel type audience where... Ten people watching at once is a is a magnificent uh, result for them. And speaking of Foxtel, what what are Foxtel? Well, Fox, Phil, what, Foxtel it, are just are just saying we that, have many channels. That, is that it? That free to air television are not serious about many channels, right? Uh, Whereas right. over at Foxtel, we have many of them. Many channels at Foxtel, and you can you can watch things three times a day, the same episodes hey, because they keep on programming them. So you it's think the you can make jam Australia? Australia. The, it, it's uh, it, it's the first week of uh, of the new year. There's no news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's news. Oh, is there? Is yes. there? Is there news? Well, well, there, there's a sort of yeah, a lack of becoming. Um, in in modern happening news for now, here's some news that stopped happening uh, a while back. Um, Harold Pinter died. We didn't get around to mentioning it before because we were too busy killing Eartha Kitt. But um, Harold Pinter actually died. Are on... you sure? You're sure he's dead? I'm sure he's dead, and we yep. didn't kill him, which I feel quite nice about. Um, he died on Christmas Eve. That's a shame. You missed Christmas. Oh. God, that ruined Christmas for someone, didn't it, Mrs. And Pinter? In fact, uh, he had a play in production. At the time. Which he didn't get to see? Had it started? I think it had started. That's good. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, Harold Pinter, um, amazing Nobel Prize uh, winning playwright. I mean, he's a no, phenomenal playwright. Nobel Prize for, for literature, not, not Nobel Peace Prize. Hack. Just no, to no, point no, out. Hack. Anyway. Um, Pinter, what a hack. We know him as a playwright, but of course he wrote and directed and starred in a hell of a lot of television as well. Yes, he, was he not. Did. He was not a snob with this kind of stuff. He also wrote the script for The French Lieutenant's Woman, which I, I didn't know that. That's... That's odd. Um, his style was so distinctive that the phrase... Pinteresque? Entered the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> Woo! Got it! <laughs> really? And we demonstrated there what Pinteresque was. English so, Dictionary. Yep, it is, apparently. So, uh, yeah, bless him. He had, he had cancer. He, he was 78. He did a lot of television in Dutch. I, I don't know whether IMDb is just lying to us or they've got him mixed up with that, you know, famous Dutch actor, Harold Pinter. But yes, he appears to have, have done he, he a lot of... He appears to have done a, a, a lot of Dutch. Maybe they confuse him with Ibsen. I always do. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, when you see him walking down the street and you go, is that Ibsen or is Pinter? Ah, oh, uh, embarrassing. I'm not sure, you know what? I'm not going to go up to him just in case. Awkward. Just in case. Uh, Brett... You said there's lots of news. Uh, yes, uh, from the UK, the original and best Top Gear uh, oh from the God. BBC uh, may not be uh, so good at starting from uh, this year's season uh, as its you know, budget hang on, has Brett, been. You know, John, we um we should have because on the uh, uh, on the show uh, the special edition Charlie, <laughs> uh, we said there should be a, a drinking game about how many times underbelly was was mentioned. <laughs> I think there should be an overall drinking game of how many times Brett mentions Top Gear. If you, if, if you listen to yeah, all of the shows hey, in the a year condensed, how drunk would you get? You know, <laughs> if anyone's still on holidays and has nothing better to do with their time, you could uh, edit together every single time <laughs> Brett mentions Top but, Gear. But there's nothing wrong with the UK Top Gear. It's just Australian Top Gear. It's it's the it's it's the bottomest of the bottom Top Gears of the Top Gear world. See, this is how I feel about Doctor <laughs> Who. I'm there going, can't you see? It's shit. It's shit. The old one was good. Can you not? Can you not see? And people call you mad. 
Just because well, you're not wearing trousers. Some, some wags have uh, actually suggested that uh, SBS send the budget for Top Gear Australia over to the UK to uh, make up for the these uh, cuts <laughs> so, because so we'd, get, we'd get a lot better uh, result out of that. So Top Gear UK has had uh, has had cuts to yes. their budget. Uh, yes, and, and, and it uh, seems that it's going to particularly pertain to its car stunts. Um, as part of overall, you don't BBC want to say that cuts. wrong. I know. I'm thinking that. That's that's a difficult two words. Um, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, yes. So uh, stuff like Jeremy Clarkson driving a truck through a brick wall, uh, <laughs> Hamster Hammond uh, crashing while uh, driving a jet-powered drag racing car, that sort of stuff. So the, the stuff we, that we watch the show for, yeah. essentially. That Mazda one two one they set into orbit with a giant, uh, you know, slingshot. slingshot. Yeah, that was good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's really still up there, all. apparently. It's still up there. It's, it's, it's going to land in the Great Sandy Desert. But at least that dog will get out. <laughs> they uh, left the window open. Just oh, roll down a little nice. bit. No, that's good. Yeah. Despite the cuts uh, for the stunts, Jeremy Clarkson remains on his $4.2 million a year uh, contract. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah personally, <laughs> I wouldn't lower mine either. No. No. <laughs> No. The uh, show's eventually going to be three guys on cardboard boxes, you know, in an empty warehouse, but he'll be being paid $4.2 million. Oh, box car <laughs> racing. Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I got nothing. John, what No, got? I, I got nothing either. Brandon, oh. you've still got stuff. Well, uh, the Chaser has been sold into the US region and uh, is premiering on US cable channel G4. Uh, interestingly, over in the US, cable actually has some viewers. Uh and uh, we'll be premiering on January 26th. Uh, is this a new a new Chaser series or showing the Australian Chaser? No, this is the Australian Chaser. Uh, G4 are building the series as an ambush comedy show. Are they presumably recutting it to remove all the stuff the Americans would have no idea what they're talking about? Or um, is it- well, the first episode features the Trojan horse stunt and uh, airport security skits, along with an interview with Hugh Jackman. Did I... Do you remember them interviewing I, you? I don't remember it? this. This sounds a bit like perhaps it's a, a new. Yeah. Oh no! A no, no. I, it was. Uh, I think was the term. In it the was industry. at some awards show or something like that. Where uh, oh, and the logies when they were. Or maybe it was uh, at the 2020 summit. It was. There was something. Anyway, they did do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the the interesting thing about G4 is that uh, G4 came out of the old uh, tech TV yep. uh, network and uh, this was a, a, a station all about computers, computing and, uh, and new technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got bought out by this other company uh, that uh, then turned it into G4, which was supposed to be pretty much just about gaming, uh, ruined the, the channel almost completely. And now... Uh, it was bought by the same company that had uh, the the Man Show, and so then they started showing old episodes of the Man Show on G Four for no good reason. Okay. And now it's kind of just, just because this, they had all this blokey kind of content. And now it's just kind of mix this mix up of uh, something of, for the kids. We're just going to throw whatever cheap content we can get uh, at the screen and hope we can uh, fill twenty four hours. But they still do uh, quite a bit of kind of online type content. The other weird thing about uh, G4... Like, like Attack of the Show and uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, but Attack of the Show isn't half the show it used to be. It used okay. to be a fantastic show. And then, uh, and then you know, G4 really ruined it. I was going to say the other weird thing about G4. Zoltan, every week. I don't know how they didn't spot that. <laughs> every single week. Come on, G4. 
It's Zoltan. I'm Brett. following. <laughs> Sorry. And that is the Box Cutters News. This is uh, Jess McGuire, and you're listening to the lovely men of Box Cutters, who are always here to helpfully inform you of any existence of photos of Britney Spears giving birth on all fours, clutching lion's heads. Love nothing better. Download the hell out of it. And, it's uh, appropriate. I'll have nothing better than uh, censoring Jess McGuire when she comes in for <laughs> special editions. Mr. Black. Yeah, bless bless her. Well, it was a bit and, more uh, obvious this time. I, I wasn't trying to, uh, to <laughs> Yeah, because Mr. Black last time was so we subtle. changing anything. Yeah. It's, uh, hi, Swingtown. Swingtown. Swingtown is a show, uh, strangely enough, from a, uh, a free-to-air network in the US. Mm. Uh, it's uh, CBS, I believe. It's CBS. CBS, indeed. It's the eye. And uh, it focuses around uh, a, a couple and, uh, and their neighbours in 1976 America uh, when swinging is all the rage. And we're not talking about dancing. We're talking about partners. So, yeah, Trina, Trina, hang on, we've got Susan, Susan and Bruce. Susan and Bruce move from there. Bruce gets a bit of a pay rise. They move to a nicer area of Chicago. They He's meet, a stock trader. They meet the Deckers, Trina and Tom, who live over the road, who are swingers. And they get involved with their swinging parties, because it's the 70s. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, their former neighbours, uh, Janet and Roger. They're who a bit uptight. A bit uptight. And, and Susan's best friend has been Janet for years and years and years. And there's a... Yeah, there's issues of class and, and morality and, and various things come up in this series. I'm going to start because I can see there's already a disapproving look upon Canal's face. I really, really enjoyed this show. In fact, I should, I should be honest, and I pushed for us to review this one because it was, it was whacked on a disc that Brett gave me just to, amongst, you know, old fantail rappers and, and things on the <laughs> well, disc. Well, John, I'll add to that that uh, I also loved it. It was, it was another great quality series that uh, we've picked for review on Boxcutters. And, and, it yeah, was a fantastic, fantastically shot. It's, it's got gorgeous uh, production values. It's really interesting transitions from scene to scene. in particular, I've got to say, uh, it's funny, Jack Davenport's the most famous person in there, mm-hmm. um, to an Australian audience, anyway, not to an American audience, but Jack mm-hmm. Davenport's been in the, uh, With the Pirates American of the Caribbean accent. movies. And, uh, was he in This Life? This I always think he was in This Life. And uh, the, the one uh, with Chet Baker and, and Matt Damon, um, the uh, Mr. Ripley. Talented Mr. Ripley. But it's in particular Molly Parker as, as Susan Miller. I, I could watch her for days. I found her just... There was something about her on screen I found so captivating. And I was reading apparently she's an actor who... She's a Canadian actor who keeps having these these almost breakthroughs and mm-hmm. they never happen. And it looks like Swingtown is yet another one because it didn't do particularly well um, ratings-wise in the U.S., but there's just she's just a, a woman who, uh, as an actor, I find I find there's something about her face and you focus on her and it's all subtle what she's doing. She's a little bit like um, she's, she's like, like a television's Julianne Moore. She is exactly uh, that's what I suddenly with thought. less yes. crotch shots. Yeah, yeah. She's like a less nude Julianne Moore. Um, and and al- this is where I had my problem. <laughs> and, and also Lena Perilla um, as Trina and and yeah, I I again captivated by that woman. So it was kind of fascinating to see these. Because the funny thing is that the show, the show itself, and this, I'm going to be accused later of Josh by reading too much into this, but I'll, I'll read a bit too much into it a little bit later. But the show seems to think it's about the three couples and their family and whatever. But for me, the show is obviously about one woman's journey. It's entirely about Susan and 
her getting to know herself. That's what the show's really about, even though the show doesn't seem to be quite aware that's what it's about. And, yeah, I, you, I was taken with you have You have hit on my problem with the show. Which is what? What's what? Which is that it, it's not what it thinks it is, and it's constantly trying to be this other thing when what we really need to see is, uh, is, is more about uh, Caesar. But I really appreciated... Um, the the insights into the relationships uh, between her, her daughter and her son, um, and and how so it, it is actually kind of built as a multi generational. Well, that that is interesting because yeah, there there's kids in there. I actually could have easily done without all of the kids' stories entirely. I, I didn't. I wasn't quite sure why they were there, except that there is a slight repetition, particularly in the first sort of few episodes, in which um, Susan's. You know, uh, Janet, the disapproving friend, comes and goes, and then Trina comes and says, "Let's have sex in a swimming pool." And there is a little <laughs> bit of a kind of you know, repetition of that as a as a competition element. But the other thing too is about the show is the uh, I one one of the things I really really liked about it is it, it's very rare to see sex positive stuff. If I can use hmm. what's a terribly horribly sounds like self help book sort of word, but it's that thing of normally when sex turns up, one of my absolute bugbears. It's it's a bugbear. Yes. Right. I, I, is that a bear made of bugs? Of bugs. It's like a giant bear made of bugs that chases me down corridors when I sleep. That gets up your goat. It gets up my goat. Yes. Is. Um, sex is always presented as this, this terrible, terrible thing, particularly um, in, in cinema. Uh, and I have a, a rule. I never see a film in which a woman cries after having sex because I just, there's, you know, there's no time. Um, and it's that thing of... <laughs> Sex is always shown as being, especially for women, when they're falling apart and their life is terrible, they go out and have sex. You never see a film in which, you know, a woman's life is terrible, but the sex is quite good. And particularly on television, you end up with things like the second series of Six Feet Under with Brenda's sex addiction storyline, which I thought was brilliantly done. But there's no ever happy, you don't see, you don't see positive um, portrayals of sex, particularly on television. And the idea that Susan is actually becoming a better person through her sexual... Um, sort of adventures, shall we say. There's definitely a sense that it's about a woman coming into her own. She's, she's developing as a person. She's exploring her own thoughts and her own opinions on things. And also there's a, there's a scene involving uh, Harry Reams, which we'll, we'll get to a bit later in the show when we talk about number 96. But there's a, a, a sort of this idea that it's not just her, her sexual life that's developing. It's her as, a, as an individual. She's getting to, to explore her full potential, if and- you will. And that would have been a great show, Joe. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. She is she is a really good character. She finds herself uh, in a situation where she wants something more out of life. She wants something a, a lot more than what she had uh, in her old house with her old neighbour who uh, is just making a dinner every night and, and gets excited about catering parties and uh, is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a prude. Uh, she wants to discover something more, and uh, that that would have been a, a great show. But what I saw was a show about uh, how uh, outrageous the 1970s were and how uh, uh, swingers are just recruiters and, uh, and, and how crazy people are and, oh, look at what they're wearing and, oh, See, I, I can't did, yeah, believe they're just... I mean, I, I agree on one level. It's funny. Watching, they're always having pool parties. Watching this, and, I did think it's funny that you couldn't actually make a show positive about sex set now. I don't think any 
any station would allow you to do it. You're only allowed to do things about sex being fun if it's the 1970s. It's the same way that you can only have uh, you can only have villains smoke yes. on, on yeah, television. Yeah. No, it's right? the same thing. It's so you can only have group sex if there's a can of tab nearby. That's yes, the, yeah, and, and some shag pile <laughs> carpeting. Do you know tab has become this strange little kind of you know shortcut going? Oh, we need to talk about 1976. Get the tab out. Everyone's <laughs> just guzzling tab like there's no tomorrow. But um, but I saw I, I that's the show I I have been watching. So yeah, I have been watching the show, which is about this woman's journey and exploration. And yes, yeah, so I'm surprised. Whereas yeah, I was I was watching a show that I, I just found so entirely tedious and uh, and just full of uh, knowing eyebrow raises. Of, <laughs> In what uh, way? What did do, you? What did do, you? Do you think? Do you think we'll have sex with them tonight? Like that was just th- that seemed to be the overarching theme of, of every episode that I watched was ah uh, oh, there are these people I wonder if we can get to have sex with them again. That's not the show at all. That's the show that I saw. I don't know what show That's you're watching. Yeah, because no, no. they only have I mean they have sex like once in the first or second episode and then they kind of spend yeah a couple of episodes agonising about it slightly. Yeah. But but they before keep- filming themselves on Super Eight. Super Eight. Well, this and this is you know that's that's where the uh, the third episode ends. But there's uh, there there is a point in the third episode before they have the uh, the housewarming party where uh, the the couple the swinging couple the original swinging couple uh, say oh, they seem to be losing their way a bit. Maybe we can give them uh, a bit give of a, bit of a, of a right push yeah. and. Uh, See, it's funny because I watched that scene earlier again today when I was trying to find a, a soundbite. But it's funny how you can – I think that scene can be interpreted different ways because the whole point of the scene is that, that Trina's going, they've made this decision. They have a pact. But, but they kind of haven't made a decision. Like, obviously, the, the couple – because she says that it's, it's the terrible thing is that the couple's – one, the couple's saying, oh, we won't do it again. And the other part of the couple's obviously thinking they will do it again. And they're sort of saying the whole point is that any couple has to just be on the same page, have to have the same agreement. And yeah, so you can either see them as, as being these evil kind of, let's tie them to a sexual railroad kind of, you know, um, vaudeville villains, or you can see that they're actually going to helping them in a way to try and find parity. And, and in, in fact, the- to, to improve their relationship. And and uh, given that uh, in episode five, I was a little bit mystified about how that, that kind of typical male-female relationship with, with him expecting her to, to make all the meals and all that sort of stuff, how that had kind of come back after having, having these revelations about being completely open with each other and, and all that sort of stuff. Like it really, but it's interesting. I thought didn't too, gel for me. The characters that like you, you can see them as um, as larger than just the people. Like you can actually see them as representing sort of sections of 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 you know. In some ways, the the old neighbor is is the nineteen fifties, or you know, mm. and she's mm. the, the the current day and and the the decades of the future or whatever. Except that we all know that um, Reagan and and the moral backlash is kind of an AIDS is all wedding around the corner. And these people would have been born born around about nineteen forty. Yes, yeah. So I found I found that really interesting too. Just look at it as a, as a larger kind of cultural, you know, kind of document. Yeah, I, I'm just not <laughs> buying it. No, I'm not buying it at all. I really, I, I found it uh, pretty much entirely surface, and and the things that you're that you're finding in it, mm-hmm. John, are uh, are things that that are there, but they're not. Uh, that's not really. The story that that I saw out of that, and I, I would have loved that show that you described. Well, that show that you described, you know, I love a, a, a voyage of self discovery. You come watch it in my head because in my head that's what it is. It's great, right? 
No, right. but did you not think though? I mean, do you not think the performance by and I look at her name again, Molly Parker? You, you didn't get that through. She's uh, she's Susan. She's Susan. Yes. Uh, I thought she was. I thought she was good. She was easily the best part of the show, uh, but her character was the best part of the show, and I don't think her character is. Uh, a strong enough character to compete with uh, the the way it's shot and uh, and all the uh, ooh we're at the Playboy Club kind of how crazy are the nineteen seventies <laughs> scenario? I mean that's it's that is so strong in the shows that uh, her story just gets drowned out. To be fair though, any show like that you're going to I mean same thing Life on Mars does. Any show like that you're going to end up kind of going oh it's nineteen seventies we need to. To show you the most 1970s vision of the 1970s we possibly can. You're going to have to and, end up... And it almost sounds, Josh, like you're, you're a bit 70s phobic. Like, I, I was really digging the soundtrack, especially. And, oh, the and, soundtrack! Oh! Yes? Yeah, you've just reminded me of another thing that I hated. <laughs> the, the soundtrack was... Uh, what other 1970s songs can we throw in here overly loud to get you to understand that it is the 1970s. We, we, we talked about that on the show quite a while back. I remember saying that it's, it's one of those things that, that I've, I've become to really embrace the idea that now to show time, we just play really loud pop songs on the soundtrack. But I loved it. And you can listen again at Last FM. Yes. You, yes. <laughs> there was this constant sort of interactive messages coming up saying, listen again at Last.FM. And, uh, and this is uh, just, just one of the things that I really couldn't stand about it because we should we should be able to and they don't really do that so much in life on mars they'll do it uh in uh, in a chase scene they might have a, a a loud song but then it's competing with the loud noises of the chase scene so it's, you the, know, the, the, again, whole, the whole of life on mars is around a, a 70s tune and- that that gets played ever so quietly in the first episode and never gets touched on again because <laughs> the bbc and probably couldn't afford it for any more of the uh uh, oh, I'm sure the BBC owns shares in David Bowie. The, uh, the the thing is, we should be able to get the sense of the time on its own without uh, without but that, having that. Was that part of the fun of the I time. Think, yeah, I, I must be. I, I think this show's quite fun, like, and I like think you're, you're maybe missing the, the fun aspect and, as well. And the completely can, gaudy colourings of wallpapers and curtains and all that and it, clothes. How can it be fun if I'm spending all my time hating it? Well, that, 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 just that gotta, is true. Just on the music. You just got to chill out. It's like you need to have some of that pop brownie stuff. Just, <laughs> just need to chill. I out. hear that through the end. For me, it was like it was like the the first half of Boogie Nights, uh, just completely unnecessary. Did you not like Boogie I'd, Nights? Not so much. Oh, get out! <laughs> I just, just leave the room. I, I think you are the Janet of the viewing audience. I think just, you're the Janet. Yeah, and yeah, where the deck is. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for multi-partner sex, but <laughs> the uh, in the basement. In the basement, no, it's the playroom. Actually, uh, the, uh, I should mention so very quickly that. Uh, but but looking, things- looking at uh, a, a film that came out at the time, mm-hmm. Bob Carroll, Ted, and Alice, uh, which was also a, about swinging. Uh, that was set in the 1970s. It was made in the 1970s. They didn't have to put huge, booming <laughs> disco tracks on. Yeah, like, because back then that was the current day. So you went in with that assumption. Uh, I just want to say, it's interesting you mentioned it's made for CBS, that it was actually developed they, by the producers for cable. Yeah, um, yeah. They went so to, they shopped it to HBO. Yeah, went to HBO. HBO said, we've already got Big Love, which is, kind of covers me, and, and this thing called Tell Me You Love Me. I don't know what that is. Oh, terrible. Okay. That was terrible. So anyway, they went to Showtime, but when it was at Showtime, CBS, 
Weiss read the script and went, we want to make this. And so they had to get rid of all the kind of sex that was mm. originally in there. I actually think it helps the show. I really like the fact the show is about sex, but doesn't actually. I think if you were on cable, there'd be more of a I think, shock value. Thing I think you, if it was on do. cable, I would hate it more. I think you probably would. Because uh, Cause you, you know, hate watching other people having sex. Because it's, for me, what I had about the show is, is its overtness. And uh, and there are subtleties there in the story, but they're just not being told properly because they're too busy being overt. But again, uh, yeah, I think there's... A and, that's, and the same thing would have happened with the sex. I think there is a certain cartoonness to the whole thing. Oh, no, well, there's a certain stylization. I mean, even the fact that, that you know, he's an airline pilot. I mean, it's like they've almost chosen these these very... 70s kind of occupations yeah. in a way as well i don't know i just yeah it really works for me as a show and i i think it's a shame i can't i can't take you to that place yeah i just uh i'll uh i don't think i'll uh, ever get to that place but let's uh let's take a short break oh no uh, john before we do you wanted to talk about the now let's go back to the taking a short break play a bumper and then we'll do my bit okay, okay sure. let's do that instead so we'll edit this bit out so you won't hear this bit no this is in uh, hi, this is Scott Brennan. Uh, television, Scott Brennan. If you've got cable, um, not free to air anymore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really bitter. But um, this is the box cutters, and this is pretty much what I've been reduced to. Yes, you're listening to the box cutters recorded live in front of a studio audience without any edits. Thank you, studio audience. We were going to mention from Swingtown. There was something that came up uh, when I was doing some reading about Middleman. Which remember Middleman? What a great show! We covered some time. What a back. great show, Middleman. The can be- we can we talk about Middleman? The Bechdel test. The be- How do you spell that? B e c h d e l. It could be Bechdel. I don't know, but it's it's it, let's let's say Bechdel because it sounds weirder. It's named after cartoonist Alison Bechdel, who in her cartoon Dykes to Watch Out For. Um, in 1985, mm. came up with the Bechdel test. It referred to films, but I'm finding it being used a lot recently talking about television. Now, to pass the Bechdel test, there are three prerequisites. The show must, A, have at least two women in it, who, B, talk to each other, C, about something other than a man. Now, the interesting thing is that Swingtown passes this, you know, um, quite easily, because there are scenes in which uh, Trina and, and, and Susan talk about, for example, Harry Reams. There's a really interesting episode, episode five. They talk about Harry Reams, the star of Deep Throat, and the uh, the legal thing against him, and that's... That was a really interesting episode. So they go, here's a real event that happened in the year. This is someone playing a real person. And all the actual history has been checked. And I thought that was kind of Harry interesting. Harry Reams hmm. is... He's the star of Deep Throat. A man? He's a man. He's it's the doctor. It's not his in... real name. He plays the doctor. Yes. yes. In, who, uh, who discovers that... Uh, isn't that just them talking about a man? No, but they talk about the court case against oh, him. Oh, right. Because they're actually holding a fundraiser to, um, to, you know, to, to raise... Which was the government going after Harry Reams uh, about uh, transporting um, the pro- profanity, uh, obscenity across state lines, and set against the backdrop of Watergate. So, so basically, they they were they they were positing that um, that basically the the federal government were trying to take away the heat from Watergate by going after Harry Reams. And there's this interesting scene in which um, yeah, Susan's just. She doesn't realise that's what party's for. She's offended that it's a, it's a pornographic movie. The others are saying that, you know... Have well, you seen you, it? No. And you can't criticise art, blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, it's kind of interesting, though. It's interesting the scene to go, well, here's some women actually talking about politics and, and law and mm. morality. You know, that's kind of interesting to see. Um, middleman... 
passes, obviously, with flying colours because there's all these scenes in which... Uh, they talk about art. They talk about art. They talk about, you know, trying to pay the rent and various other things, her and her flatmate. And, um, but it was kind of interesting looking at the Bechdel test because there's various things you think would pass that actually don't. So um, uh, I would argue Sons of Anarchy doesn't pass because the female characters are usually talking about the men. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost entirely about the men. The West Wing, oddly enough, doesn't pass because even though it's full of really strong female characters, they They're hardly... about the president. Well, they hardly ever get scenes together. That's more, more the, the issue is more that you, you very rarely see two women actually get a scene together in the West Wing, which is odd. You know, you have so many female characters, but they're always placed against male characters mm. when they're doing doing scenes. As uh, was Survivors, which we talked about a few weeks ago, and yeah, yeah, the, the female characters, are, except for uh, except for the uh, politician and the annoying woman in in episode three, though. Yes. I think that was it's, it's funny again when you get these very strong female characters. There's there uh, seems to be a, a difficulty giving them scenes together. It's like there's a, a fear of, of, you know, so they'll get a scene with a man, but they won't give them a scene in which two women get to actually discuss you know, because, issues. Because, John, their vaginas will join up and rule us all. <laughs> well, that certainly cleared that up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, no, I, I really think that's the, uh, uh, that's the case. Not, you know, literally, but, uh, but that uh, a, a lot of the time the producers of shows or the writers of shows are concerned about uh, what will happen if if we let two women in a room together. It, it does feel like a very male it, fear to it go. Will, it we, will we, get conspiratorial. We can't have women, two women on screen. The men will stop watching. Or, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. It's interesting because the Bachelor test has been turning up a lot recently. So it's obviously something in the. Well, I, you know, weeds. I think uh, passes. That test. Uh, there, there are lots of scenes in, in Weeds where that doesn't happen, d- despite the fact that uh, she is having sex all the time. <laughs> uh, the uh, I, I think it's a really interesting thing. I, I think we're we're getting uh, we're getting a lot further away from that with uh, with television in in general. Uh, but there's still a long way to go. It's a, it, most often I think the bachelor test falls down on the fact that uh, often they just aren't multiple female characters in shows like even i mean john adams we talked about the fact that they quite possibly there just wasn't scope to put any more female characters they didn't really it. have many women yeah, at that so, time so you have this amazing female character but just the one yeah because yeah. yeah. there weren't a lot of women back in and the 1770s in, yeah. in fact i did wonder about how realistic abigail adams was in that it, because it, she was so forthright it is hard to know there's that scene where abigail from, adams from the 1770s she says like if i was a man i would I would do this, this, and this, and yeah, you're kind of not sure whether Abigail, Abigail Adams is widely regarded as uh, as being quite a progression for women, uh, and as a first lady, uh, I think is is regarded in the United States as a much stronger character than Martha Washington was, mm-hmm. and uh, and is who wasn't even in John Adams. No, why, why would she be? Uh, she did nothing. She didn't, un- you know. That's Conquer. harsh. Harsh on Martha Washington. She's just paying out on Martha Washington. She where's, wasn't doing anything. Where's her cherry tree? Whack. Where's her cherry tree? Where's her wooden teeth? Huh? <laughs> huh? Uh, George Washington's wooden teeth on display somewhere. Uh, no, but he carved a, his own wooden t- did he? false teeth. It's, I think. Uh, yeah. it's, there's lots of talk about what were his teeth like, and he he had false teeth that were apparently uh, wooden teeth. Uh, and then I've read. Uh, I, I've read articles on what sort of wood 
would be most likely <laughs> for him to have uh, made his teeth out of. And Following uh, the theme. Uh, Did he also throw something across the Potomac or something? Potomac? Yeah. Uh, his teeth? Yeah, probably his teeth. Just to see how many skips he could get. Uh, yeah, I think we've somehow he, got off, off track. I think, we, I think we have got <laughs> off track. Uh, we're talking about a- Abigail Adams. And, uh, and she, so she was a very strong character. Uh, but again, not a, she was on the farm all the time. There's not a lot of opportunity for her to be in the company of, of other women. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's more a historical thing, I think, than... Uh, because John Adams did so much. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about how much we love John Adams again. I should, I should point out, too, when I said the two women uh, talking about something other than a man, I think it's all right if they talk about, like, yeah, the president or something like that. It's just more like if they're talking about boyfriends. Yeah. Know, it's more, yeah. When I say a man, they can still talk about a man if one's going, I'm going to oh, kill so that man with my not shotgun. not talking about romance. Yes. I think it's well, more. Well, yeah. And yeah. I think, so, uh, you know, going according to that, I think the L word fails. <laughs> because in, in what way does the well, L word because they matter the big men but they're, 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 they're not talking about men love. but they're still talking about relationships uh, right, relationships right. yeah so that's that in some ways yes actually that's an interesting point because I don't know whether the Bachelor test is more about having female characters have something to do in a series or if it's about female characters being able to be something more than just love interests which actually is kind of an interesting point when it comes to the L word going well if that's if that is all they do is be love interests we should uh, we should write to uh, what's her name Barbara Bechtel. What's it? Uh, uh, I reckon it's Alison Alison Bechtel. Alison Bechtel, and 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 find out uh, her view on the L word, and uh, and also box cutter family. If you want to comment, send us anything about what you think yeah. does or doesn't pass the Bechtel test. Maybe you don't. Maybe you failed. Then you know, do the usual things. That stuff Josh says at the end of the show. I never really listen. There's something about emailing. Hooray at boxcutters.net. And there's a, there's a text thing. 0458 Cutter. Right. Hi, I'm Josie Pirelli from Chart Busting 80s, and you're listening to the guys on Box Cutters. And in uh, contrast to Swingtown, we're going to talk about an old Australian show, number 96. I so reckon this is out of order. Anyway, go on. <laughs> in what way? In what way is it out of order? What? You're out of order. That's, that's you, like, sir, that's are like out of order. This whole studio's about, out of order. About Swingtown, and now we're talking about number 96. Wow, but we had that whole big Abigail Adams conversation. In yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Okay. We're talking about women in history. Okay. The, uh, so, talk about previously we're on talking Box about, Cutters, we're, we're talking, talking about, about We're talking about sex in the 70s. Abigail Adams was having sex in the 70s. The, the 1770s. 70s. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're saying because we were looking at Swingtown, which, you know, Sex in the 70s. We thought, let's look mm-hmm. at an authentic, genuine Sex in the 70s series being number 96, famous for its red-hot sex all over the place. Was number 96 that famous for it? it, it or was, it was, was that reputation well, that's what I'm more saying reserved for the box? We watched four episodes, and I don't think it was actually any sex in any of the episodes we watched. No, 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 uh, no I watched five episodes. Did you? Uh, but no sex in, uh, in, in pretty much any of the episodes that, that we watched. No. But... Although uh, the, 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 murderer, murderer, the murderer is using pantyhose, the so murderer, it's a sexy murderer. The murderer is using pantyhose, and uh, there is uh, one of the first gay couples on television uh, in number 96. I didn't even get up to that. Was that um, Thing and Thing? That's the doctor dude and, and the guy, and been in Melbourne. guy that was supposed to be in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy that, that was supposed to be in Melbourne. I think he's, uh, he turns up in episode eight, which was strangely the fifth episode that now, I watched. Now, well, look, I should something- point out, we've been watching, this is the, the pantyhose murderer storyline. It's just been released on DVD. So it's effectively, it's a, 
it's a string of episodes. It's like that tell, 32 episodes. Yeah, they tell one particular kind of story arc. Um, it's actually episode 649 through to episode 680. So there's a bit of backstory you might need to and catch it, up on. It seemed around about that time that they were maybe trying to capture a bit of the new... Uh, new arrival Greek audience. They had Abigail making these little comments in Greek, and they had the Greek couple running the the show. Oh, they're and- Hungarian, I believe. They're Hungarian Jews. Yeah, the Godolphuses. Okay, the Godolphuses. The, the um, largely unrepresented there are, there are Hungarian things. Like they're, uh, they're they're the. Uh, the Hungarian Jews of bad fake moustaches. Yes. It's, it's quite a small village. Now, yes, we should say uh, number ninety six is is the address of the building. It's it's uh, in Breakers style. It has all the characters living in it, but also has a wine bar, a laundromat, and a, a deli. Yeah, in the bottom, uh, the deli is run by the Godolphuses, who I believe again didn't have a standardised spelling for the name for quite a while, and I think they weren't quite sure where they were from. They were the sort of generically European, I believe. Well, for yeah, because. Aldo and Roma, and uh, and they've got uh, really just bizarre separate uh, identities. <laughs> seemingly, it's, it's like they're from different I'm countries. Say, this show is so freaking weird. Like Isn't it's, it? it's a weird sort of sitcom soap hybrid. I mean, there's a history here saying how when it first started, it was being promoted with all the sex and the. Um, Number 96 is coming, would appear on screen during Channel 10's advertisements leading up to it. And the night it was shown, big uh, ads were taken out saying, the night Australia television lost its virginity. So they really pushed the sex. There was nudity. There were nude scenes. Um, yeah, gay couple, as you're saying. Uh, Americans will not believe you, by the way. If you mention the gay couple in number 96, they will not believe you. They think you're making it up. You go, Australian television had gay characters on it years before you guys did anything. They think it's like drop bears all over again. And you're just Be- trying to because, have a go with them. Because in, in America, the first uh, gay character on television, uh, like openly gay character on television, I think was Jody in Soap. And uh, that was... Uh, Billy Crystal. Actually, it's, it's around the same time, isn't it, Soap? But I'm trying to think. But you know, No, so, well, Soap was like 79. Mm-hmm. And uh, 96 was 1974 through to 78. Uh, it was launched in 72. 72. 72. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, the copyright on these ones. The interesting thing, too, with this is to see that um, apparently with 96, towards the end, they tried to, to up the... It, it's kind of funny to see how things wear, wear off. And like, you know, you were saying you felt uh, Swingtown was just kind of too overt... Apparently, by the end of number 96, there was a character who was a, uh, a full-time nudist, played by a former Miss Australia, and the ratings still kept going down. So, even though right. there's a naked lady on the screen for the whole show. But, um, yeah, they, they apparently played up the humour as the show went on. I'm sorry, I was going to say before, weird sitcom soap hybrid. Mm. And characters that just appear and disappear from episode to episode. There's no attempt to even include everyone in every episode. And to, to put it in some context, this was uh, a lot like Neighbours. It was a half hour every night, five nights a week. And and the characters are just so odd because some are naturalistic. Oddly enough that the gay guy is probably the most kind of rounded of the characters. And then you have that weird couple who call each other mummy and daddy and have a child oh. who appears to be played by an actor the same age as them. Which <laughs> yeah, I, that was That, that was your behavior. Uh, but it, it, is, it is that mix that you were talking about with Swingtown of... Uh, of uh, old style thinking and new style thinking coming together in in one place, and uh, I mean, it must have been cutting edge. I imagine for the audience uh, at the time to watch this Australian show all about urban living. So actually, they were living you know in a block of flats um, mm-hmm. rather than, than in, they weren't in a suburban area. They weren't in the country. Um, they were quite cosmopolitan as far as those sort of you know, characters we'd seen on television before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is funny we were, we were talking. 
a few weeks ago about uh, the dismissal and it being so clumsy and a lot clumsier than we were expecting. Whereas this is like so clumsy that it's absolutely chirping. Like it's the dawn of television. You know, it's like they haven't even quite worked out how to use cameras yet. And I found it really enjoyable to watch. I found it really painful. <laughs> Did you? So many Mrs. Jessops running around being freaking busybodies and... <laughs> Like, like, it was for for something that was that that had a reputation for being so sexy. There were so many old people in it. <laughs> now, now, clearly, that's just ageist, Brett. Well, maybe, but you know, they now, were they were in being, there being sexy. You're just being an apologist for the young. It, it did surprise <laughs> me though that that yeah, for the reputation of being sexy, there is no sex in any of these episodes, and it's actually just the fact that the pantyhose murderer is using pantyhose rather yeah. than you know a lead piping. Actually, there's, a, there's you know you know what there is a really weird. Uh, a weird scene with uh, the guy who skips town uh, when one of the uh, one of the, the cast members in the, in the shower. Mm. She's in the shower and uh, she doesn't seem to be doing a very good job of soaping herself up because her, <laughs> her left hand her left hand is just kind of waving about <laughs> at the side of her. She's just kind of going, "Yeah, I'm in the shower. When's the scene going to end?" And uh, and and he comes up and uh, and pulls back the like he, this guy sneaks into the into the bathroom and pulls back the curtain mm. uh, and uh, and sees her naked and then just uh, apologizes to her and uh, l- later on and goes. Yeah, you know, what was I going to do? You just, you know... I couldn't help myself. I kind of like you, and uh, that's what guys who like girls do. Um, If you read uh, Andrew Mikado's book about, I think it's called uh, Super Soaps, perhaps it's about Australian soap operas, it's quite alarming how in the 70s incest was seen as a sexy topic. (laughs) (laughs) It is really awful, and I I feel bad. Incest and rape turn up a lot in 1970s Australian soaps as sexy topics. And it's just quite, again, murder in this is sexy. You know, it's like, oh, it's a very strange thing. I wanted to play this a clip. This is the cliffhanger of one of the episodes. Um, just to give you, you an idea, play that clip. Yeah, we can play that clip. Just to give you an idea of, of the kind of style of, of the show and the acting in particular. It's like, it is like we're saying, it's, it's yeah, the dawn of, of Australian television and everyone's learning how to act in front of cameras. And mm. this, is a, this is a clip from the end of one episode. Tomorrow, don't you? Yes, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I'm beginning to get very spooked being alone so much here. Listen, have you made your mind up about Andy yet? Oh, I don't know. He asked me to go and live with him today, but I daren't. Not with Peter in his present state. Oh, no. What is it? This. It was in Arnold's pocket. My God. Pantyhose. (laughs) (laughs) So... So they, they, obviously being the weapon of choice. Yeah, the, 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 well, also, at least oh two people god. have been knocked off. Oh my god, a bloody knife, <laughs> pantyhose. I also really enjoyed the fact that the show was going out of its way to make everyone suspicious, which was quite fun. Every episode, it's like it's him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was really fun. So everyone gets to go, which was kind and of it, and it never, never even really gets solved entirely. This uh, this pantyhose murder mystery. Uh, but someone does kind of get the blame for it, and uh, and that person uh, just there is a big confession scene at the end of the uh, end of the series, the, yeah, the end of the yeah, the, end, end the of the storyline. There's there's a big uh, big confession scene followed by a suicide, and uh, and it, but it just seems it's it's so camp, it's so unintentionally camp. The thing I really enjoyed about watching this, yeah, I can I can fully see what you're saying, Brett. This, I mean, it's it's, t- it's dreadful, you know, it really is dreadful. And somehow I found myself going, well, like, "This that, is fun. I can watch more." The the whole subplot about the Ming vase and they're trying to glue it back together so that whoever <laughs> won't notice. That was the 
they broke it. That, that, that trio the, is great comic relief. The baby minding episode in which uh, someone's yeah. minding a baby but keeps losing it. <laughs> and every time he runs into scenes in which, like, you know, the, the inspector's talking about the brutal murder to go, has anyone seen the baby? <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I thought was quite fascinating is that the, the, the sets are tiny and, like, the flats... The flats look small and cramped, and you see, they look like real flats. Like, it's the mm. only TV show you'll ever see in which apartments actually look like the size apartments really are. These aren't Friends-style, kind of huge... Never afford them apartments. No, they, they're, they're tiny apartments, and they're cluttered, and they've got stuff everywhere. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's so real in a really odd kind of way. But it's I, I really I really enjoyed it. Like I, I really enjoyed the look back to it, and uh, and while I think you can't really compare it to Swingtown, uh, the uh, uh, it's uh, you know I'm, I'm quite proud of it as you know an Australian television watcher. Well, I, I wanted actually we've, we've got two other clips to play. This is curious because this is a, this is a scene that that uh, the same concept showed up in both Swingtown and, and Number Ninety Six in passing, which is the. Um, uh, we talked about Harry Reams before, and of course, in the seventies, there was a uh, for a very short period, um, porn films became very chic and 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 a night out for the family. Well, pretty well, much purely off the back of, of Deep oh, Throat. Deep, Deep Throat, actually, um, for about a year to two years, there was a thing where softcore porn films were showing, and couples would go together. It was, it was a little bit naughty, but it was seen as but lines around the around the block. Yeah, type yeah, stuff. completely yeah. acceptable thing. And even in Australia, um, Australian production company made Phantasm. Um, which had John Holmes in it, which made them a lot of money. They made Phantasm Comes Again, I think it's called the sequel, which uh, yep. they lost a fortune on because in, in Not Quite Hollywood, the filmmaker says effectively uh, it, the bubble ended. It only lasted in, about in two time, years. Right? Yeah, yeah. So much, by the time the sequel they came out. spend to, to actually produce it? <laughs> well, I've watched Phantasm and I'm, I'm guessing probably, you know, three bucks fifty in a Fantail right. wrapper. Well, they couldn't have lost that much. But uh, we've got two clips here uh, talking about blue movies. Um, what, what order do you want to play Start the number? Start with the uh, Swingtown one. Okay, so let's hear what Swingtown approached this, this subject. Going somewhere? Um, during this party. I thought we decided we were sending this one out. Actually, you decided that. Susan, this party is about pornography. I know what it's about. I saw the movie. Come again? Last night when you were at practice. I had to see for myself what the fuss was all about. Are you guys talking about Deep Throat? Okay, Lori, you're interrupting a private conversation. Door was open. I've had about up to here with your sass, young lady. I don't want you going to the Deckers tonight. Not without me. That's mom's decision, dad. Lori, don't talk back to your father. I was defending you. Wow. You know, maybe dad's right. If this party is about fighting censorship, maybe you don't belong there after all. Zing. Oh, <laughs> oh, pal. Hit your mother in the stomach. Well, okay, it's just for Josh now. Let's hear, right. let's hear a much more sophisticated and adult approach to the same subject. This is from number 96. Right, I, I went to a blue movie. A blue movie? Well, that's why I lied to you about going to Double Bay. And I thought you were such a prude. For heaven's sake, why did you lie about it? I thought you might be upset. I feel really disgusted with myself now. Disgusted? But why on earth? I think it's rotten of you not taking me with you. I'd love to see a blue movie. Will you take me to see one? Certainly not. Why not? I don't think they're suitable for young girls. Oh, Michael Bartlett, you are a prude after all. Anyway, I can't sit here chatting to you. I've got customers to attend to. Oh, all right. I'll go now. Stop it when you talk to me. Oh, whoops. It's just so much more fun. 
the, the things I, I think what number ninety six r- reminded me of was how innocent Australia was for such a long time, even though uh, we we had things like number ninety six and we had uh, Alvin Purple, and oh. and there was this whole kind of coming out, but but uh, that was in the uh, in the arts, you know, with Brett Whiteley and, and and what was happening on television, what was happening in film, but uh, in suburbia that just did not penetrate as much. Uh, or, or so is so is my feeling of what nineteen uh, seventies Australian suburbia was well, well, like. Because well, so, it's, it's you know shows like Number Ninety Six on air. Um, we did we mentioned before we actually asked people uh, last week to send in comments. We got uh, fourth of five actually sent us a comment about Number Ninety Six, uh, which I've I've got here, uh, and he says uh, Number Ninety Six comes to mind. Not only was it progressive for the time and airtime for that matter. I'm almost sure it would never make it to air now, at least not on commercial networks. So with that as a starting point, I think you can track rather nicely how sex on TV from the 70s till now, uh, I'm sure he's meant to say, has gone. Uh, hell, even Blankety Blanks had more over-sexual innuendo than we see on primetime commercial networks now. Which is curious, because people must have either been less concerned about it at the time, or, or maybe just... It was the summer of love. It was. I think. I actually think people an, people were less time and- people were less concerned about it. I mean, they, they might not have been. Uh, you know, there's there's always been that uh, sense of sex is something that is talked about on television or in film, but uh, you know, we we like to keep it at an, at an arm's length. And the last thing that we saw in Australia that was anything like that was Chances. Uh, since Chances, it's just it's been. Puritanism, you know, it's, it's puritanical uh, sense has come through in television a lot more it recently. Is you know, even with chances, I think you're looking uh, number uh, number uh, chances is a lot more knowing. I think it's a, it's a lot sort of more deliberately campy knowing. Number ninety six, I get the feeling it, it's just more the fun spirit of the time. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. perhaps that's us watching it now, but it doesn't feel like they're. They're going nudge, nudge, wink, wink. They're just going, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do this? Well, and also it was a, it was a very uh, Sydney kind of thing. I mean, that's with uh, everything that was happening in King's Cross and how that was uh, evolving and uh, Lake Girls was starting at, this, at the same time. And uh, Sydney really had that going a lot more than uh, Melbourne, Adelaide, uh, Hobart, you know, any other city in, uh, in Australia. They just... Uh, Sydney had this thing going on. So number 96 being set in Sydney makes a lot more sense than if it was being set in Melbourne. And maybe, you know, I'm thinking about 1970s suburbia in Melbourne because that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Sydney was a completely different place there. So no swingers parties going on around your way? Not, not in Moorabbin, no. <laughs> not, oh, oh, not Moorabbin? I wouldn't be so sure. No, not, you, just, not, you, you never can tell. Not, no, not, not in Moorabbin. Did, did Maybe you, in Bentley. It's, it's kind of a Bentley thing. <laughs> did you take anything to love them from number 96, Brett? Um, no, it, it, it was a curiosity that I, I really just tolerated. <laughs> your your cur- curiosity has been sated. Um, yeah, that's how I feel. I'd, like I'd look at more of it, uh, but not for enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, on that, should we uh, go to a uh, sexy, I don't buy it. Hey. 
Are you one of those that follows the ads? I like to talk as much as I want. This is Ricardo Montalban. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. Hey. The, uh, Speaking of sexy. The, the, Australian, <laughs> uh, the Advertising Standards Bureau in Australia uh, released their annual We've Had This Many Complaints. Uh, and uh, and it's interesting to see that the uh, ad that received the most complaints was the Kotex U tampon ad, which I actually thought was quite a clever ad. Which yeah. one was it's, this? It's a woman. It's, it's having, humorous. It's it's a woman and her pet beaver. Oh, it's the beaver ad. It's the beaver ad. Yeah. It's it's a pun. I it's, like it. Yeah, I it's don't know. fine. It's funny. It, it, it's almost like the pun's too overt. Because I was actually really enjoying it, thinking, I wonder what the product is. And then you go, oh, it's a beaver. Oh. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be upset, but it just seems. Oh, yeah, and it's not like she stuck a tampon in its mouth. And that's. <laughs> you know, no, it was just looking after the beaver. And that's, and that's what I liked about it. It's, you know, it, it was about uh, women and openness and, uh, and dealing with a subject that is. Uh, essentially taboo. I mean, was, at, at long last, we don't have blue liquid anymore, but uh, it's still uh, girls on the beach, frolicking, a couple horse of years riding. Ago, there, was, there was an ad for a panty liner in which a woman uses one for to, a to, to cover up a murder scene because there's blood on the floor. And the point was made that was the first time blood had ever been included in, in an ad for a feminine yes. product. Except that, you know... Because it, has, it wasn't menstrual. Blood. It has to be a murder, which is kind of fascinating. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I guess, I'm guessing the problem probably with that, with that ad is more the, the kids going, what does the ad mean, mummy? Why is there a beaver? I guess that's, you know, more, yeah. Well, so, but, so, like, so hang on. So, so you're saying, is it is it right for people to complain? Oh, no, no. I'm just wondering if that's where the complaints come from. I must be... Uh, yeah, it's funny. I had a bit of a reaction to the ad just because it seemed... It seemed, yeah, it sucks you in with a cute, you know, the cute beaver puppet. And in the end goes, ha ha, it's all been a metaphor for j- vaginas. But, but it's also, uh, see, I think it's, it's great because it appeals to uh, uh, girls who are at an age where they could be really uh, kind of coy and, uh, and, and not really uh, as confident Actually, what it is, I'll just think about more about it. Because yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's a really well made ad as well. I think it's more though. Once you get the reveal of what it what it means, your mind goes backwards to work out what it means in the other scenes in which the beaver is having its hair done at a salon, and in which the two musty, you know, topless guys come up to the woman and her beaver. I, maybe it's more. You then work back to go. No, the whole ad's quite creepy now. <laughs> it was quite it's- charming until the end, and then. And, and, and it, but but that's the thing. It's, it's about a girl who's having fun with a beaver, who's not embarrassed by having one. That's true. And uh, and uh, you know, I think it's a. I think it is a really great ad. But 185 people did not buy it. <laughs> 185. That's- well, well, these are these are the complaints that they get, and uh, and they're not phone up complaints. They're they're official complaints. So 185 uh, official complaints for the Kotex U tampon ads. And uh, uh, there was there were also a uh, hundred and forty five complaints about a Domino's pizza ad. Oh, was in it which, Domino's? In which a character named Many Many Toppings Pop- Many Toppings uses the term "super awesome. I, I, I'm I'm lost. 
I haven't seen that. No, I haven't seen the ad, but also, why, why would you complain? Minnie well, Toppins uh, is this Mary Poppins yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of character who one, delivers the pizza. And, is it? Yeah, one of the complaints, this is uh, in an article from news.com.au, uh, one of the complaints said, quote, while freaking is not particularly terrible, which is also saying it's somewhat terrible, <laughs> just not particularly terrible, on the ad, it sounds more like friggin'. And was repeated as such by my four-year-old. So again, it's that thing that you're saying of... Won't somebody made, think of the children? It made my child say it's, something that made me feel uncomfortable. Remember a few years ago, in fact, it might have been around about this time of year, that uh, there were complaints about there was some uh, full drive SUV ad with a, a baby driving the car and, and people were complaining about that, that it didn't oh, set a good example. It made my babies drive my cars. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. People are really this is weird. ridiculous. People are ridiculous. You know what I don't buy? I don't buy people. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. A show that I really enjoy, uh, and I still enjoy, uh, it's up to its second season in the US, called Chuck. Uh, which we mm. have talked about on the show uh, last year when it uh, started in uh, last year's year before. extensive... Oh, yeah, year before, 2007's extensive fall season coverage uh, is going to start on Foxtel, on Fox 8, uh, in the coming weeks, I think uh, January 21st. So 10 people will be very happy. Yeah. It's going to be a huge result for Foxtel. <laughs> huge result. I'll just, there are people out there who have Foxtel. Who Get will, ready for uh, the menu releases. Who will be interested in uh, in in seeing Chuck, I recant my beaver concerns. I feel bad. I, I, I should I should embrace the beaver. I feel sorry that I I said I felt a bit weird about the the beaver on my television. Well, hooray for now be- I'm just hooray thinking about uh, Jerry Mathers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be much better if the girl was just walking around with Jerry Mathers and Jerry Mathers was getting his hair done. Jerry Mathers was being smiled at by these hunky boys. <laughs> Maybe they should do a series of ads in which every ad replaces the beaver with another person or object. <laughs> it could be an ongoing series. But but Jerry Mathers was the beaver. Hey, on um, Passing's um, Hot Cakes. Hot Cakes? Hot Cakes. No, Johnny Cakes from uh, The Sopranos, the actor who played uh, uh, yes, sad. Johnny Cakes, uh, has been found dead of an apparent suicide. Paul Costello? Is that his full name? Is that his full name? John Costello with an E. Um, uh, 47-year-olds. That's very sad. No no further details. Very sad. Mm. I've got a little piece to add on. Um, Anon, our good friend Anon, sent us a text about the the concept of sex on television. Anon, who we have no idea who he is. Yes, and and we hope the weather in Perth is good for you. Um, Anon (laughs) says... Not too hot. Dear Box Cutters, sex on TV, is there too much? Hell no. I surf the internet simply for the stupidly large amounts of porn. If they put that kind of porn on TV... I'd watch more. Hugs, kisses, and licks down the taint. Your pal, Anon. Oh, thanks, Anon. Mm. And I think, again, we were saying last week how, how you know, uh, free-to-air networks haven't really embraced different ways of approaching audiences, and there we go. Suggestion yeah. for you from Anon. Bit of an update on uh, Channel 7's Sunday night uh, newsy show, uh, imaginatively titled Sunday Night. Uh, apparently, Molly Meldrum's been signed up and uh, has already recorded a couple of international uh, music oh, act interviews. God. You know what? We have other people 
who can interview <laughs> musicians with a, a lot more clarity and a lot less sycophancy. And, but uh, I think that he does have a certain amount of access because of his international reputation. Well, that's that's true, and this is this is the problem. Like, couldn't he? Like, like you wouldn't want Angela Bishop or Richard uh, no, Wilkins. No, no, I wouldn't. No, no, or Peter Stefanovic. But, you know, that's a pretty I, low bar. I, you know, I, I wouldn't want any of those people. I I would want. Oh, I don't know. Music journos, just just going Patty out Donovan. there. Sure, Patty Donovan be uh, Jeff Jenkins would be great. Jeff Jenkins would be excellent. But Molly's put in the hard years of barbecues in Richmond. Billy so, Pennell, you know, it's true of uh, of of DJing uh, in Moorabbin. Mm, nice down He's, at uh, uh, Transformers. Yeah, uh, Transformers, and also at uh, at uh, he had a bar at um at Southland for a while. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, not that one like on the on the highway side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Some western kind of western stuff. Yeah. yeah, god, that was horrible. Is that still there? You drive I, past it? No, I don't. Uh, I don't. I completely avoid Southland. <laughs> the uh but it, you sorry, know, got, you know it spread Melbourne like a cancer center. over over the highway. I know it jumped over the highway. Uh got very Melbourne centric there. Sorry about that. Sorry. Well, particularly southeastern Melbourne centric. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I live north of the river. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to go south. They don't let me. <laughs> um, hey, there's been uh, a massive amount of uh, developments as far as the uh, net filtering goes. I might uh, put a, a bunch of links up on the uh, blog. Um, there's been stuff coming out of the US and stuff coming out of the UK about uh, how it just doesn't work. And um, the, the well, there's trial, a surprise. We the, weren't expecting that result. No, the on, trial here on. in Australia has been delayed, and hopefully, hang on. Uh, no, the government came out saying that uh, the that, that it was really successful. They in the wrote UK. Josh a four-page letter. They it wrote him a four-page letter. Successful in the UK. That uh, really? That's pretty much what they were saying. Successful in the UK and Finland. And uh, Madagascar. I'll put up the links on the website and uh, you can check it out. Um, there's, there's also been some suggestion of having a, uh, a classification system of websites. Um, much, oh, much like movies or video games. Uh, I've and got this in great our idea. case, we don't have anything beyond the MA15 plus uh, category. So we miss out on a number of video games. I had this idea the other day. This is amazing. It's a bit of a breakthrough. I think it only cost about $4 million. I think parents should be responsible for their children. No! What? I know it's crazy. Give me four million. What? Hang on. What? Hang on. Hang yeah, on. parents should actually be responsible for what their kids do rather no. than making the rest of us no, no, John, pay for it. How John, are they going to do that? We've had 200 years of trying that. It doesn't work. It just work. didn't work. You know how what? are they going to do that? Yeah, whack the computer in the lounge room. Read how to use your net software. You go to the net nanny. Yeah, actually, put some effort in. Parents, don't expect the rest of us to put up with it because you're too lazy. You're just defending pedophiles. John Richards. Good Lord. God, it's come to this, isn't it? The minute you go, hey, why didn't you be a parent? Pedophile! Peddler! Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's such a wicker man yeah, you know who's, trap that you, you know who's you not lazy. Pedophiles. <laughs> They're not, are they? They <laughs> put so much effort they in. They put a, so lot much of, work. a lot of effort and a lot of work in. If parents put in just as much work. I think yes. I think if parents put in only 75% of the effort the pedophiles are putting in. We'd all be better off. Are we editing this out or should I just keep going? I don't know anymore. And that brings us to the end of Fox Cutters yes, episode. Maybe maybe the end for a little longer than we were expecting. 163. It got so weird. 
So weird. I want to say thanks very much to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. Is it just me? Or, or do you smell pancakes? Mm. Is that a reference to something? No, no. Is it Shrove Tuesday and I've forgotten? <laughs> no, like like frying butter. Oh, are you having a brain hemorrhage? Maybe, maybe that can happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could, you could be having a stroke. Finish the show before Brett dies. Well, I would accept Strokey here. He just keeps <laughs> interrupting me. <laughs> Three Triple R, his shows are used for recording this podcast each and every week. You can find them on the net at rrr.org.au. Awesome community station, 102.7 uh, in the Melbourne and surrounding area. Uh, check out the Summer Breakfasters. I've heard it's very good. Yeah, yeah, Summer Breakfasters at the moment yeah. is, uh, is, is uh, very entertaining. Six and a half uh, weekdays. Also, thanks to Crumpler, who uh, give us bags to give away to you, the listeners, when we do have giveaways, which we didn't this week, yep. but we will in coming weeks. If you want to email us, you can, hooray at boxcutters.net, or you can drop us an SMS at 0458-CUTTER, or by all means, all go, the onto the, doing it. go onto the blog and, uh, and just uh, leave, leave, us a, leave us a comment. Yeah. Just put one on there. That'd be novel. Yeah. Just do that yeah. uh, at boxcutters.net. I'll lead the way. I'll put up the first comment. All right. That's with, good of you. With the links. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's good. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, and why wouldn't you have... You can go onto the iTunes Music Store and leave a review with a star rating. It's fun. Mm. All your friends are doing it. It will help other people find this podcast. Or write other people's reviews. Oh, yeah. You could you could just write other people's reviews. Or you could uh, just tell your friends all about box cutters. Yeah, or break into their houses and make them download it. Yeah. Just break into their houses, download it onto their computer. They'll yeah. find it there. And thank you for they it. They will thank you. You know what I did for Christmas? What did I, you do? I gave my mother an external hard drive with uh, all the box cutter shows on it and uh, some other specialties. Why she do you must hate, be proud. Why do you hate your mother? And, uh, <laughs> I, I just think there are some some episodes you could have cut out. That's all. No, some special editions. Come on, I had three hundred and twenty gig to fill up. Ah, oh, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley, a little croaky this week. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Brett, I think I think your face is starting to droop on one side. I think you should get that looked into.